welcome back to Cake for Breakfast. I hope everyone's day is off to a great start. Today we have New York City comedians on the show, Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton, and they are from the super popular podcast, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. In a nutshell, if you are not already familiar with their show, they read celebrity memoirs, so you don't have to. It's as simple as that. Especially if you're like me and you don't love to read, like you get to listen to their show, they pull out all the juiciest tidbits from the books, and then they have a little discussion about it, and I love both of their takes. It's really fun. Today we are covering memoirs by Tommy Lee, Jamie Lynn Spears' new book. Obviously, we have to cover that one. Lynn Spears, her mother, who did one like I think 10 years before Jamie Lynn's book even. Will Smith, they've got some great takes on him. Tiffany Haddish, Jessica Simpson, and more. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy them. Two super cool women from Brooklyn. They do all these sort of like live shows and such, and I would definitely check their stuff out again if you are not already familiar. But before we get into the show, let's cover a couple of top stories. Again, another kind of slow week in the news, entertainment slash business news, not world news, of course. First up though, we have Melinda Gates. She did an interview. This is the first time since her split from Bill Gates. It wasn't really that juicy. She didn't give us a whole lot. Her big line on Good Morning America, who got the exclusive, was, trust was broken before I filed. So read into that as you may. Everyone does think it's that woman friend of Bill Gates's. Remember we talked about it. He had this woman he went on vacation with like once a year. I don't think that. My cake is someone new popped up. I think Bill was like bored at the country club and like met up with somebody there, Lauren Sanchez style. I don't know. That's just my take. I do feel like that woman who was his friend, good friend, I think she was like sort of baked into their agreement throughout their marriage. And honestly, I'm sure Melinda was like, yeah, yeah, go off with your nerd friend, do your thing. I'll see you back here after the weekend. I'm going to go do my thing. But I'm a little suspicious. I think it was someone new. All right, next up, I'm officially over Kanye. He's just pushing my buttons. And I'm literally one of the last people having sympathy for that guy and, like, standing on his train. But the sudden, like, taking this new girl on and making her your queen and giving her all this press, like, literally, dude, you broke up with Julia Fox a week ago who was out of your league and I just don't like the discount treatment that she's getting where he just like moves on. Julia went, like I said, from being like the top of the news feed to people are kind of like, where's she at now? I'm not into it. Kanye, you lost me. Back on my Kim train. (laughs) Also, Jen Shaw from um, Housewives of Salt Lake City is like, Kim Kardashian, please join my legal team. (laughs) So that'd be pretty funny if she did that. I definitely don't think Kim will be doing that though. Also, I did hear that Kim does not actually own that jet. So I don't know, a lot of promotion for something that's not really yours. All right, next story. This one's interesting. I hope everyone's watched the Tindler Swindler. I think we've talked about it on the show. I know I've talked about it on my Instagram. It was a really well done documentary, but remember Simon, how he, if you saw the show, this guy runs around conning women out of their money. He claims to be from this uber wealthy diamond family. He's going to inherit all this money. He like photoshopped himself into pictures with this family, like literally a total, total con. But the family, the like Liev family, they are actually suing Simon for using their family name to con these women. And then they said that they will give the settlement money back to the women. I have two cakes here. One, I highly doubt those women still have debts. Like Anna Delvey, aka Anna Sorkin, got $312,000 from Netflix. Yes, it was a nine-part series. I'm highly doubtful these women did not 
get their debts paid off. I just don't, I just don't believe it. I think they're, they're leaning into that a little bit. Also, what was your guys' take on that show? I just was kind of bad. I think it makes women look bad, but interestingly enough, I did that poll on my Instagram. All the women were like, this makes women look bad. All the men were like, this makes men look bad. I thought that was funny. But it really does not make women look great. It makes us look like thirsty gold diggers and like, you know, oh, I loved him. Like, would you be like head over heels running over, you know, the one girl flew from like London to where was it? Amsterdam because he wrote her and she saw private jets and luxury cars on his Instagram site. And then she was like, you know, it was so magical. We slept together that night. Like, really, really, girl? I don't know. I think we are feeling a little bit too bad for them. This guy's obviously terrible. Like, he's not good either. Just makes everyone kind of look bad. And then they're getting club appearances from him. This guy, Simon, what even is his last name? I don't know. He's getting paid $20,000 for club appearances. So we're sort of, like, allowing this terrible person to continue his games. He should be in jail. I mean, what he did was wrong, even if those women are kind of a joke. Not into it. All right, a couple market minutes. Stocks continue to get murdered across the board. Everything is down. I'm sure your portfolios look terrible and scary right now. Not a registered broker, but don't trade out just because everything's down. I am banking my portfolio on the market coming back up again. You have to trade at your own risk, but don't make any just quick decisions because literally everyone's portfolio is the same. It's like down, 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 down. Bitcoin, however, bounced back a bit from last week's lows. I think it was trading at, Bitcoin was trading at like 38K a coin. Last week um, when I did the show, right now it's trading around 44K a coin. However, Bitcoin is sort of looked at like the new gold. And when gold is up, the market is usually down. So bad things happening in the world. Like Corona times, gold was way up. The market, you know, flat across the ground. Gold is down. The market is up. Bitcoin may be up because the market is down based on everything happening in Ukraine and Russia and the whole situation, global situation right now. People kind of panic buy. They think like, oh my God, well, the banks run out of cash. So they run out and buy gold and Bitcoin and all these other things because they think the world is coming to an end. It's a little dramatic, but hey, at least Bitcoin's up a bit, right? Also, did you guys read about that ship carrying over 4,000 luxury cars like Porsches, Lamborghinis, all that? It was a big cargo ship. They were bringing it over from Europe to the US. The ship had an estimated worth of $400 million worth of cars on it. I don't know exactly what happened, but it, you know, it sank. We've seen it sinking for like the past couple weeks off the coast of Europe, despite everyone's best efforts to save it. There was like tugboats out there. Everyone was trying to pull it to safety. Here's the thing. If you bought a brand new Porsche and it was on a sinking ship where, you know, something bad obviously happened, I'm pretty sure I would be like, nope, let's return that one. I'll take the next one. I do know with luxury cars, it's always like wait lists and all these things. So maybe you'd grab it or ask for a discount. I don't know, but It's really sad. I hate to think of all that hard work and money gone to waste. It's going to be an insurance disaster, but at least no one was hurt. But the cars all now sit at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. All right, guys, everyone have a great week. Next week we are off, but we will be back the week after. And I look forward to seeing you then. Have a good one. Enjoy the interview and see you soon. All right, Claire and Ashley, welcome to Cake for Breakfast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for Thank having you us. For having us. You guys have the most 
fantastic podcast. I love, it's like a binge listen. Like you listen to one, then you like have to go through all your favorite celebrities. I already prompted the audience what your show is. Celebrity Memoir Book Club, absolutely obsessed. Love the content you pick. I have so many questions though before we get into talking about the celebrities. What is your process? How do you choose the books? It's, well, we do like a monthly meeting where we pick all our books and then every Tuesday we completely throw out our plan and all the books that we have carefully chosen and ordered from like respectable sources and do a mad dash Amazon Prime or like local bookstore, like whoever has it quickly. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, I feel like we try to keep it mixed up from week to week Mm -hmm. and then also see what people want to hear and then sometimes a, it'll be, like, a major event that happens, and we'll be like, oh, like, I mean, Tom, Pam and Tommy, we Pam were like, Tommy. that's something that maybe we should hop on sooner versus yeah. later. Um, we'd been thinking about doing that book for a while, and then it, it just, like, with current events felt like the right moment. And then, yeah, reviews, new books coming out. Every Very rarely do we try to get something, like, the moment it drops. Like, Jamie Lynn felt like an important one to do Definitely, ASAP, yes. but... For the most part, there's like a hundred factors that go in. And then most of all, sometimes we'll just start reading something and be like, ugh, no. No. (laughs) Interesting. Can you give any tidbits, any memoirs that you were like dropped right away that were just not interesting? Can you spill the tea? Um, Not even that they were. I mean, it's not even that they're not interesting. It's just a lot of things get called a memoir when it's really just like a magazine article stretched out with like recipes. So Kristen Cavallari has like a lot of tips on how to make goldfish in Ziplocs for your kids yeah. to eat on the airplane. And you're like, okay, groundbreaking. Or even like Whoopi Goldberg, we started her book yeah. and it's more of just like a collection of her thoughts on random topics. Yeah. And we have covered that before. We just don't like those episodes that much. So when we opened hers and we were like, we can't do this again. This, yeah. Like we're just not doing it this week. Not doing yeah. it again. Um, <laughs> um, favorite memoir. What are each of your favorite memoir memoirs? How do you say it? Chris Jenner style memoir? Isn't that how she says it on the show? <laughs> Honestly, what's your favorite celebrity to date? This might. This is like a spoiler. I don't know when this is coming out. This episode, but next week um, is our Tiffany Haddish episode, and I just finished it, and that might be like one of my top five. I think. I really love it. She's a crazy story because she was in like a foster home, right? She was raised in a foster home. And then she called out Drake for asking her out and not coming through on the date. Remember that? Oh my God, no. But I wouldn't, I mean, she's somebody who says everything. Everything. So if you have secrets, I wouldn't like treat her in a way that you wouldn't want people to know about. Yeah. She is, (laughs) she is an open book and she's so funny. Yeah. I was going to say, this has been one of my favorites too. What what does celebrity, have you read their book and you're like, I really don't like that person. I got maybe that vibes with Tommy Lee. Did you get sort of that feeling after reading it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hope else? it was more than vibes. <laughs> I hope we were like out and out like we condemn this sort of behavior. Yes. He is abusive and evil. Yeah. You definitely called him out. I will say yeah, someone you- who was, isn't outright abusive, but like after reading the book, I was like, I do, I would not want to be alone in a room with you is like Will Smith. Um, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Most of the men. Yeah. Interesting. Steve-o. I wouldn't, Will there's Smith, not a man that we've read. Will Smith carries himself as like the, the God, right? What about him as sort of, what, what about him as disingenuine? He is just like, so like crazy type A. I feel like he has no concept for like, he doesn't operate as a person. I feel like he operates as like a business machine and everything is so like, I will be the most successful. I will be the top. And it is one of those things where you're like, for what though? Because you do read about like 
you can really feel the break with his family. You can feel like the emotional distance between him and like everyone in his life. And you're just like, okay, congratulations on being the best. What do you have though? Besides like stuff. And what's his complex with Jada? Do you think she, is he, sorry, does Jada have, is Will Smith a God complex in Jada's, in Jada Smith's eyes? Do you think that's their dynamic? No, I think she wants, like, a husband, and that's why there's been that whole... Yeah. I had an entanglement with August. So a lot of his book talks honestly about that, but in a way where you're like, I don't know that you got to where you were supposed to get to emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And then you're saying Will... Who was the other one? Will Smith and Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, I felt like his book was pretty beloved, but was he just... Did he come off as, like, just not a nice I'm guy? Sh- I think... I'm sure if you're a man, you loved it. I think yeah. that a problem with a lot of the books we read is that a lot of them are such, like, fun little beach reads that people are told to like and so they read them being like yeah that was fun and then when you like look into what anyone's saying you're just like I mean not really though like his book is such a jerk off of himself like it's so like unpleasantly braggy that you're like I don't know congrats like he really has no self-awareness and I think that like if you want to read a hundred anecdotes about random celebrities it's a really fun book but like, when you are like, okay, but do I like Rob Lowe? Like, is Rob Lowe someone good in this? Like, no. No. Jessica Simpson is still to date. I've never read as many celebrity memoirs as you gals have, but she's still my favorite. Do you have the same opinion of that book? Like, did you just love her through and through after after reading it? No, but I also don't think I would like her as a person. Like, she's not my type of gal. Yeah, I, I don't love a, this was all God's will gal. Oh, um, true. I, she definitely has a lot of that. It's all God's this, God, very Republican vibes. I totally get your get that. Yeah, read. I just don't think I would like her. Like, if I went to a birthday dinner and she was one of my friend's friends, I don't know that she, I would be like, oh, let's go out for yes. drinks later. I also, but I will, I, it was very PR. Oh, can I just say, wait, yeah. can I just say, that was the first book we ever read. Yes, so I, I know think that. If yes. I read it That was your now, first episode. That was the first celebrity memoir I think I had ever read in my life, maybe except for Mindy Kaling 10 years ago. So I don't know that I would be as harsh as I as I would be now because I've seen what the bar is and it's a lot lower. Like, looking back, she gave more than you would think. All right, ladies, let's get into our first topic today. We've been covering Pam and Tommy on Cake for Breakfast a lot. I'm obsessed with the show. First take, do you guys like the show? We do not. No. Do not. I, lo- <laughs> I love it. I think it's fun, but I have heard that opinion as well. Can one of you give us sort of the breakdown on Tommy Lee? I have a lot of questions. Is he a modern-day mar- narcissist? Let's talk about this guy for a minute. I mean, I think he's like a classic of the gods narcissist. He is, even in his book, which was so skewed into his own favor, his own perspective, you could feel the cruelty. And I think something we both didn't like about the show is in his book, he brings in Pammy, Pammy, he brings in Pam (laughs) to have the conflicting, like, how did we meet? How did this all start? And they have very different memories. And the show follows his train of events. Yes. And so right off the bat, I feel like, I think we both felt that the show was marketed as sort of a redemption story of what actually happened to Pamela Anderson, as is kind of in vogue right now. I think a lot of women from the 90s, early 2000s were looking back and kind of like, oh, sorry, we treated you like shit. And so I think for this, I mean, maybe they shot it and then saw where the the current was taking them and just advertised it wrong. But I feel like it was advertised as that kind of story. Like, we're going to apologize to Pam Anderson. Yeah. Of course, then they didn't use her Well, I want to say, first of all, top line of that. But I was going to say, like, and you don't have to get 
somebody's permission to do their story, I think. Well, I, I said that, think- too, on the show. Pam Anderson did not okay this. She was not involved. So it's, like, their personal conversations on the plane where she's, like, what's your name? Like, we don't know any of that happened, right? Like, Well, that is all in Tommy's that's book, in his book and okay. confirmed by her. Okay. That's in- so that we do know that happened, but I will say you can't promote it as, like, a feminist retelling of Pam's perspective without her uh, approval or without her side of the story. That's the thing, is I think that they have full permission to do... I mean, they don't have full permission, but, like, you can do whatever you want with, like, public information, but it's also just, like, this insane level of irony that the reason... So they were in court for years over this sex tape, and it was eventually ruled that it was kind of legal for it to be circulated... Like, not kind of. It was... There was no... They never won a lawsuit... It was ruled to be legal for these people to circulate their sex tape because they're public figures. And so their likeness, that was kind of the route that they went with this sex tape. And like the lawsuit is like having videos, like personal videos being circulated. Well, can I say actually, Ashley, before we continue, that's what Tommy Lee said in his book. Okay. We had a lawyer listener DM us and say, that feels suspicious to me. And she looked into it and that he was actually quoting one single very specific lawsuit against... I can't remember who it was like a hotel. No, it was against maybe Rolling Stone. It was against a magazine. And she was like, yeah, he used one single lawsuit as the overall explanation. But that's not actually true. Okay. okay. So you, once again, you can't take Tommy's Lee, Tommy Lee's word for it. Right. Well, well I, I did find it ironic in- that like part of it was that their likeness was like being and now they're like using her likeness again to like retell the story. And she's like, right. Just stop. <laughs> Like you why do you think she didn't get involved? I was like, I was wondering that the whole show. Like, why wouldn't she want her voice in there? Do you think? I think she doesn't um, want to relive sure. it. I think it was yeah. like yeah, deeply I mean, traumatic, and she is like, let's stop talking about it forever, or at least like just stop bringing it up. I don't want to be a part of it. I mean, even yeah. Brittany. I don't know. Of course, it was her or her team who came out against all of the documentaries, but I'm sure that if you had a breakdown publicly and you had a year or two or three of your life where everybody was ridiculing you, the last thing you want is for that to be the next Google hit. You know what I mean? Right, people kind yeah. of forgot and now it's back in the zeitgeist. I mean, how many people went and watched the Pam and Tommy sex tape because it's back in the news? And it's interesting because she literally fought that the first time where like, I don't want my likeness out there and they're literally retelling it all over again, which is what you guys are saying, right? They're literally doing to her again what's been done so, to her before. That's the thing is I think that like, if they're going to make this show fine but to promote it as like from her side getting her justice it's like you're not doing that that's bullshit and I also stopped it's watching men making the show like yeah it is you're right you're right there and is she's not a 3d character yeah I mean we talked about this on our patreon but our feeling is they have this idea that they're like oh you thought she was just a hot girl but did you know she's a hot girl with a heart of gold and it really reminds me of like the stripper paying her way through college narrative. Like, she's still this male fantasy archetype. They don't actually give her three dimensions or, like, they don't make her a true human. They make her another male fantasy. Like, why do I feel bad for Rand, who, like, stole the sex tape and, like, robbed, like, sure. I hate Rand, yeah. Like, but, like, why do I know so much about him? Why are we, why is he being painted as, like, kind of a sympathetic character who did this, whereas, like, Pam is just, like kind of in the show and she's sweet. I mean it doesn't pass the Bechdel test yeah. so I mean just like who are pan- you know like what I mean? yeah. talking what's the Bechdel test you never heard of that that's like a famous film critic test of like it's like a kind of a feminist thing where 
do two are there two women in a movie with a speaking role and do they speak to each other about something other than a man oh my gosh I never heard of that that's amazing I'm really? a feminist so I stand yeah. behind that okay and I'm there on, are a I'm bored lot of that. movies that don't pass it like there are a lot of movies in that 2022 do not have two women with speaking roles and then yeah to talk to each other to have a conversation about something besides dudes that's the thing like in this I mean, show I I yeah. only watched the first four episodes but does Pam know anybody besides Tommy, except for in the very beginning scene when she's sitting at a table with her friends and he come up, comes up to, like, take her away, you know? Oh, right. Like, I, get what, know I get what you're Pam? saying. Yeah. I do like the, that, yeah. I like the internet angle of it because I feel like this is, like, modern-day Bitcoin where it's, like, there's no regulation. Everything's just kind of happening. People are figuring out the landscape as we go. And it is interesting to watch, like, no one – like, what's the internet? What is HTTP? Like, I like those kinds of throwback shows. I do like when they show Pam being kind of a boss at work. Like, she's working hard, right? Like, they have her, like, getting up, showering. Would you say they're showing her being a boss, though? <sighs> they, well, she stands up to the guy. She says, I want to see the monologue. Yeah, because of Tom. I mean, I don't know. Oh, that because she seems Tom, like a pushover you know who's you, getting used. I got to give it to you, Claire. You're calling me out. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's true. She only does I it because she, she tells her to. And she tries once and gets rejected. And, and then she I just mean, does it. Yeah. She's specifically shown as not a boss. And she as like somebody who would hope to be taken seriously, but doesn't at her own place of work. And she doesn't stand up to them with authority. She has to go up to them very like sweet and cute hey. and like kind of like yeah. seduce them into listening to her. Yeah, and then I don't even know that it makes it to the final cut. She's like, "Can we just try one take so that you have it?" Yeah. In case. I mean, wow, yeah. I like the the lens you guys look through. I know. I just think of it as this like glossy '90s show that's like fun and sexy. I need to look at things more in depth going forward. <laughs> <laughs> But that is really interesting. Um, I do like Pam, though. I watched a bunch. Does she done? Has she done a document, uh, a biography, or, no, or a memoir, or not yet? I think she has a memoir of like poems. I okay. saw it on, I'm like, it's another one where I'm like, we'll have to order it and check it out. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't say off for sure that it's like worth doing an episode on. Yes. But I think. I watched a bunch of interviews though about her on Howard Stern. Her, I just wanted to get a take of what she was really like. Do you like Lily James playing her? Do you like that character embodying Pam or not, not I as think much? she's doing a great job. I just don't think the show does her justice. Like yeah. I think. I think that she's, like, embodying the shit out of her, but I also am, like, it feels like a lot of elements of this show, like, it feels, like, thirsty for Emmys. Do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like you can, like, feel her being, like, this is the, like, I'm crushing this role, and I feel like you can, like, see it in her body, like, acting it so well. Do you know what I I mean? I cover, like, everything, and all shows on on my show cake for breakfast what shows do pass the test like what shows do you feel like are good feminist ones that are actually interesting because some of them aren't let's be honest some of them get too over the top so what do you guys like listen i watch shitty ass television i watch like truly bad i love like teen supernatural dramas i'm all for it like and i don't even necessarily look at shows like i'm not like obsessed with like them having a feminist perspective i mean i obviously like, I can try and think of a couple shows that do. Claire, what about you? Anything pop up that um, you found as a... I guess I just watched Yellow Jackets. I've oh. heard great things about Dickinson. I haven't watched it yet, but I know that Dickinson is supposed to be, like, the woman gay show I love show Yellow Jackets. Okay, I have to watch Yellow, Yellow Jackets. Jackets. Um, and look, I'm the same way. I was just watching 90 Day Fiance before <laughs> I popped onto this. But I do think... I think I'm going to say what Ashley was probably about to say is... Do whatever you want. Have your glossy 90s. And I think what you described it as, it is. It's a fun, glossy 90s nostalgia. Let's pretend that things were better than they were show. Like, haha. But don't advertise it 
yeah. as somebody's redemption justice story because that is absolutely what it's not. Agreed. And agreed. like they lost me there. Yeah. Okay. So back to Tam and pa- back to Tommy's <laughs> biography. So he talks about being this great husband. Oh my gosh! Like I'm so good to women. I'm the best guy. I date women all shapes and sizes. And then you guys highlight on your in your podcast episode. He literally dates like the skinniest, prettiest blondest women only like ever he doesn't even say he dates women of all shapes and sizes he says he fucks women of all shapes and sizes he it's like this thing where he is like all women deserve love like everyone should get fucked and it's like okay but like who are you like giving loved you know what I mean like who are you respecting because also I would love to see what I think this book was written in 2004 in the height of the anorexia era, totally. I do think, like, a plus-size woman might be, like, me. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, when he no. says all shapes and sizes. No, but I, like, do you know what I mean? Like, he was dating the two skinniest women of all time. Oh, Heather Locklear, I get what you're saying. Anderson. So he would look at, like, Britain, modern, yeah, modern-day Britney Spears, and that would be like, oh, I, I'm, I yeah. look at everything. Got it, got it, got it. I mean, he wrote this when Misha Barton and Mary-Kate and Ashley and Nicole Richie were at their prime. Ooh. So what is he saying all sizes? Like, you know? the low-rise jeans era of... Like, if you didn't have a hip bone, like, get out of the club yeah. kind of thing. Um, ba- sorry, back to getting out of this for a second. What is a memoir you are dying for? Who's an actress that you were just dying to hear from? One that's coming out or just, like, out just of the Just anybody, anybody, like a dream memoir. I'm obsessed. I'm really obsessed with Katie Holmes writing a memoir. I want it so bad. <laughs> Ooh, Katie Holmes. That'd be good. She would have an interesting story. That- yeah, with the Scientology and everything, I would love to know. It's, I think that's a good one. The problem is anybody you'd really want to know about wouldn't tell you anything. So like, I'm trying to think practically, like, who do I want a memoir from or who do I want to be a fly on the wall for, you know, because yeah. those are two different What people. about a fly on the wall, Claire? Ooh, I would love, like, a Rihanna that's one, a maybe. Rihanna. That would be, that, you would never get the real juice, but she would, I love Rihanna. I'm so excited that she's having her baby. Um, all right, so Tommy Lee, we don't love him. I do like the one take that Brandon, I don't know if you guys watched the Hills reboot, but he said, you mature at the age you got famous. Tommy Lee got famous at 19, and he said, my dad is and embodies a 19-year-old. Do you agree with that take from reading his book? No, because I feel like 19-year-olds aren't even that cocky. Like, yeah, I agree with that premise, 100%. I've heard that. A lot, and I do believe that that's true, but I think that he started out like douchier than most the average person, even. I wonder what gave him that because he was like a Greek immigrant kid. Was he born in America or did he come yeah. here? He was no, born no, you're in right. Greece, he was born in Athens. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he didn't move here like old enough. To come back, yeah. All right, moving on, ladies. Let's get into your next most recent episode Jamie Lynn Spears. Whose side are we both taking? Brittany's. Britney's. Britney's. There is only like one side, I think. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that memoir. What What did she say? Was it just a total, you know, I've listened to all the Call Her Daddy. I've followed it. I just have not read the book yet. So another thing that's interesting about that memoir is I also think it has to exist outside of the memoir specifically. Like I think a really important part of the memoir is the promotion around the memoir, which is her saying that the memoir isn't about Britney. Meanwhile, why is she 30 years old putting out a memoir about nothing if it's not about Britney at this time. And not even that, but I think I honestly will even give her the benefit of the doubt of, I think that is an interesting story. I think what is it to always be in the shadow of somebody? The Ashley Simpson story, mm-hmm. autobiography. I don't even think that that's like a story that you it should be allowed to tell. because. <laughs> but <laughs> I think more than even the promotion, it's like the timing. I mean, she's cashing in on us finding yeah. out that Britney has been through hell. Britney's and, moment. Totally. Yeah. And it's not even Britney's moment, but it's like, it's not just like, oh, Britney's coming out with a movie or something. You know what I mean? It's like we're all as a country finding out that Britney was 
like imprisoned by her own family for 13 years. Now is not the time for you to try to make money. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the thing is, I do believe she has a story to tell. I agree with that. But like the idea that it's not about Britney and that it's coming out right now. Like, I don't know. She had a story to tell five years ago. She had a, she'll have the same story to tell five, ten, ten years, years from yeah. now. Why this month? It was a rush job. Like, she talks about writing it within the last year. Like, it was very blatantly, like, an effort to capitalize on Britney's ongoing legal battle. And it's just, like, that's sick. <laughs> and she told the story about Britney shaving her head. That is not Jamie Lynn's story to tell. That is not for her to capitalize on. And she on. does tell See, it I from actually... her own perspective. I think that having your sister have, um, like, a public moment like that would affect you. She talks about being at a sleepover when it happened. Like, well, it's so funny. She doesn't even really talk about that in the book. I got oh, yeah. that from the Call Her Daddy, and I found her much more sympathetic in the Call Her Daddy interview, because I think they better tailored the questions to be like, and how did this affect you? Whereas in the book, it wasn't as well done. But I like, like I stand by what I said. I do think the fact that she was 15 years old, completely by herself, alone in Kentwood, going to school, having to deal with the fact that her sister is the number one laughing stock in the world. Yep. And like, to not, I mean, I think any sibling can relate to that experience of if somebody in the family is having problems, that's where the focus goes and you feel left out. And it doesn't matter if it's mental health, emotional, like physical health, whatever it is. It is hard to be the other child because, like, you're not getting the attention you need. And I think that that's, like, a valid story to tell, but I do think, like, not now. Not now. Yeah. Do you have empathy for Jamie Lynn? Like, do you do you have empathy for her growing up in that household and whatnot? Yeah, I think yeah. she's been through a lot. I just think that her – I think that she's, like, very dumb. I think that she's, like, an extremely, like, unintelligent person who, like, doesn't know mm -hmm. how to think critically. Like, she will just think whatever, like, the elders in her life tell her. And now at 30 years old, that's like a really dangerous way to be because her take on the Britney situation is essentially like, we've all done shit. Like we've all made mistakes and like mm -hmm. Britney is running our family's name through the mud. Like she needs to acknowledge that like she's fucked up too. Like she's done things wrong and it's like, okay, maybe she's acted out and done certain things. You got like your family, I don't think any bad behaviors justify being imprisoned for 13 years by your family no, and like also forced not. to work that whole time like having custody of your children and visitation with your children hung over your head at every single moment like it's absolutely unfathomable and so for Jamie Lynn's take to be like well you know like actions have consequences it's like what actions deserve those consequences in any world so like I do think that that's something someone told her and she just goes with it like I agree with the grade seven education take like or the whatever you she doesn't have a big education like you can just hear that in her interviews you can feel that like she doesn't really have a global perspective of what's going on right now she's pretty narrow to Kentwood yeah yeah I also even think that like I mean you don't need to know what's happening in the Ukraine to understand that like it's not good to imprison somebody. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? like like I think where I draw the line is I'm like I think what happened to her with her pregnancy was horrible. The fact that the first thing they did was try to bully her into an abortion and then put her in a cabin in the woods and lock her down and like not let her see anybody. That's horrible and I think it does take a few years like and therapy and help to get to the point where you can like look at what happened to you and be like that's not right. Yeah. But then the fact that now as a grown woman she can't say, it wasn't right what happened to me, and the same thing has happened to someone else. And I can see that that's not right either. Like, the fact that she can't make that next jump, I do hold her accountable for. But I do think that, like, 
I don't know, the idea that she could have done anything when she was pregnant, 16, locked in the woods. Paying for it herself. Paying for that whole experience herself. Being I don't think that she could have saved Brittany from the situation. I think that she could have, like, maybe done a thing or two to help. I don't, like, hold her accountable for it. Like, I, I mean, this is, like, basically my stance on the conservatorship overall is, like, it was not one person. It's a system. Agree with that. And it was a lot of, like, lawyers and people, like, judges upholding a corrupt system. And so I think that, you know, like, Jamie Spears is evil for sure, but he's not the mastermind. Jamie Lynn is dumb for sure, but she's not any sort of mastermind. Like, And also, like, I don't think she did try at all, hard enough or at all to stop it, but I also think if Jamie Lynn had been throwing her entire weight and life at trying to take this thing down, she couldn't have. Totally. Agree. Who, which brings me to my next question. Who do you think is pulling the purse strings on the conservatorship? Because I personally don't think Jamie Spears is smart enough to mastermind that whole thing. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. There's more team involved. But do you think there's one person in particular that really held the power? I don't think there's one person. But I think that one of the main people is Lou Taylor. Yeah. And I also think it's in the lawyers of both sides' best interest to keep it going forever. Totally, right? There's this, like, Dickens book called Bleak House, and it's, like, about how, like, both, like, no one can decide on who gets the inheritance, and the court case goes on for, like, 25 years, and all the lawyers get rich, and by the time it's decided, there's no money left, and I feel like that's what's happening with the lawyers. Like, her own representation had it in their best interest to keep it going. The other side had it in their best interest to keep it going. Not one person who was fighting her battle was fighting for her. Claire, are you an academic? You've like, you talk about things I've never even heard of. I feel like I'm in class right now. I love it. <laughs> no, Bleak House was just like a, a series that they did when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So let's bring us to our next memoir, which is Lynn Spears. So what are sort of the differences between how that book was written versus Jamie, Le- Jamie Lynn Spears' book? I mean, they were both written at pretty, it's like kind of interesting the way that they bookend the conservatorship with these memoirs like capitalizing on Britney's distress yeah Um, and Lynn Spears was more sympathetic in her sort of like her thing felt like it was written in secret whereas Jamie Lynn's was more this like public moment right I feel like Lynn's was written with sort of a cape over it like it was oh everything's nice not really telling the truth I mean I think Lynn might be one of the single dumbest women on this planet (sighs) And, like, I think her and Jamie Lynn are maybe the same amount of dumb, but at least Jamie Lynn was in the world. Like, Lynn is more naive than Jamie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Lynn's... I don't think it was necessarily written in secret. I think we just don't remember. It was, like... It came out in, I think, 2008 or 2009, so I just don't, like, Mm -hmm. recall the PR around the book. Oh, Um, I guess it was around... 2008 was the head-shaving moment, so I bet it was sort of, like, within that type of thing any good juicy takeaways from the Lynn Spears memoir just how awful Sam Lefty was I think how awful Jamie was I think that was the first time we realized how fucked up it is that he was put in charge because I mean she left him multiple times because he was an alcoholic and he was awful and he couldn't hold down a job and the idea that this man that couldn't hold down a job once in his life was now put in charge of like a multi-hundred million dollar adult woman woman yeah he was such a con artist The one thing with that case uh, is I've looked at the money, like I've looked at her Vegas residency and they're like, oh, everyone's fighting over 60 million. It's like 60 million. This is more like Britney Spears is like a $300 million operation. Like, how is it only 60 million? That was the most confusing thing to me. 
I think there's like a trust that everybody was getting paid out of. So I almost think she personally had in her control like 60 million, but so much of the money had been taken from her and she wasn't allowed to have it. And yeah, I think so much of it was going to being to paying out everybody. You know totally, what I mean? Totally, totally. Um, all right, Jerry Hallowell, moving on to another pop star. Ginger Spice was my all-time fave Spice Girl. Who were your girls? Who were you guys? Which Spice Girl were you guys back in the day? I was Sporty Spice. You were Sporty? I was... I was baby. Baby. <laughs> okay. Any juicy takeaways on that memoir? What did you, did she spill secrets on uh, the Spice Girls? Everyone go listen to your episode, of course, but any highlights you could share here? I'm trying to remember. I mean, I will say both Spice Girls books. We've done Melanie Brown and Melanie Jerry Brown Hollowell. Yeah. And both of them, I walked away really like having so much appreciation and like loving the Spice Girls. It was like the opposite of the ones we've just talked about. I, yeah love them and they seem like I think maybe we just love best friendship we love like best friends having fun and like the Spice Girls until except like they had just like such a toxic team and they were being worked to the bone but like they loved each other run by all men right another one of those was Simon Cowell involved in that group I can't remember was he the one who found them no he actually said no they like found him in a parking lot and sang for him and he said no oh my gosh well big loss there and then why did Jerry what did she admit in the book why she left the group that was like the most harper I remember crying when that happened I mean I just think it was too much she had a history of eating disorders and depression and she just got so overwhelmed that she had she had to get out she was like I can't take it she was like 23 or 24 at the time when you think about like she went from at 21 running around auditions trying to make it by the 24 she'd become the biggest sensation in the world with like no time in between it was such a rocket launch and those like those days the schedule was out of control they were given no when you had to like when you had to like go to different radio stations in every town in England and Europe and America and do every magazine, like it was so much pavement pushing. I, mean, yeah. I feel like Brit- yeah. in 18 months, they did two albums, a movie and a world tour. That's crazy. Think so. of Justin Bieber. He's done like one over like three years, right? Like that is just crazy to think about. I mean, I guess you, they're like they're 20. Let's run them to the ground. If you look at a lot of those early pop star schedules, like we talk about this all the time with Britney Spears, a lot of it was like, Every, like, 13 months they were putting out an album and doing a world tour in between each album and performing at award shows, doing interviews, doing all these different things. I mean, it was, like, truly insane schedules. So, like, when you look at Britney Spears, for example, between, like, 1999 and 2003, she was putting out, I think she put out three albums, did a couple world tours. Then in 2004 is when she, like, had those kids, got married, a bunch of, got divorced. Like, it was, and then Mm -hmm. 2007 is her like public breakdown but it's like freaked out spent, yeah like I don't, that's just you can't do that to people no no and I can't handle going out on a Friday and a Saturday like that's too much for me you know <laughs> um I know I only have you guys for a couple minutes left I just wanted to oh the one question with the Spice Girls is who do you feel like after reading their books was the star do you think they identified one woman in that group as a star because Jerry was the singer right I think they all had like singing abilities I mean I do think like the great thing about the Spice Girls was everybody, we all identified as different Spice Girls. To me, Baby was the best. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't have even come into my mind that you would have related to somebody I else. I hear I'm still like, fighting for Ginger. I'm like, uh, Ginger Spice. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying is I think that that's why they worked. Is they were very democratic. You find yourself. In the books, in both books that we've read, they talked about how they like would make decisions as a full group. Like it was extremely like five against everybody else. That's impressive, too, given that their ages at that time. Emily Ratajkowski, any good juicy takeaways you got from that book other than Miranda Kerr was an escort or a, a, yachting, a yachting girl? <laughs> we actually already knew that. <laughs> uh, that. Yeah, 
I've known that for years. I yachted with her now. No, I wish. <laughs> she, um, I feel like the Emily one was not very juicy in terms of like Hollywood dish. It was very much like thought pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm great because X, Y, Z. I'm good because, yeah, totally. And Ellen DeGeneres, do you sit side with her or part with her? We part. Part. We do not stand. She's a bully? Ellen. I mean, yeah. yeah, she's just like very old school in her humor, I think. Yes. She's sort of ahead of the Tina Fey, them, then she comes before, yeah, like, but after the Joan Rivers, like, she sort of falls in that, in that segment there. Yeah, I also don't even mind her coming. I think she's funny. I just, like, wouldn't want to work for her. I don't think that, like, being funny should excuse her from treating people human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's I don't think her jokes ass. are bad. I just meant in the book the way, like, everything is just very, like, well, that thing sucks. Look at this. This is weird and sucks. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I don't even think it was, like, as negative as some of the other. I just feel, it's just so hacky. It's, like, just for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's for a mom in Iowa to read just in the bathroom to... when they need, like, 10 minutes yeah. of alone time. From their husband, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, ladies, this was an awesome episode. Like I said, I am obsessed with your show. I just can't wait to read, to listen to, sorry, I don't read, so I listen to all the <laughs> memoirs you speak on and keep it going. I just love it so much. I prompted the audience on your Instas, and hopefully we can all see you in Brooklyn soon. Yeah, I hope yeah. So. I mean, we have a weekly show every Thursday at Nikki's Unisex in Williamsburg. Starts uh, Doors 7, starts 7.30. It's a comedy show, so if anybody wants to come and hang out, it's like a very fun, chill place. You can meet other women. Oh, Free show. Just hang out, watch comedy, have a couple drinks. That sounds like the perfect. That sounds like the perfect night. Lots of fun. Yeah. Pam Anderson, you need to get her out there too. You guys are really yeah. fighting for her case. And she's so cool too. How cool is she in her interviews? I love her. Love her, love her. Thank you so much, ladies. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can now rate on Spotify, which is very exciting. It's the first time they've sort of had that feature added onto the platform. And their rating is so easy. You just have to hit five stars and you're done. But I really appreciate it. Those reviews go a really long way in the podcasting game. Thanks so much, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now. 